Welcome to the Sidious Mag Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Chavez. The Sidious Mag Podcast is presented by Garmin. This is a sponsor and product that I use daily. Garmin has released its latest round of Forerunner GPS running watches, and there's plenty to be excited about. The newest watches include the Forerunner 255, 255 Music, 255S, 255S Music, Forerunner 955, and Forerunner 9055 Solar. The Forerunner 255 family is the upgrade from the super popular 245. It's got all of your favorite functions from the previous edition and more battery life, Garmin Pay, and some cool features including a multi-band GPS, race day widget, and a morning report. So let's start with the multi-band GPS. This means that there's two signals from satellites coming down onto your watch to improve the GPS tracking so that your runs are more accurate with measuring the distance run and the pace that you're going at. The map also looks super clean once it shows up on Strava and Garmin Connect, so it shows that you're on the sidewalk and not in the middle of the ocean on those waterfront runs in the middle of the summer. The race day widget connects with the Garmin Connect mobile app and gives you a countdown to the number of days until your next race. It's got a pace pro feature that helps you stay on goal pace and factors in the race course if you load it onto the watch. They've got a projected race day weather forecast, and if you're up for it, they'll even suggest some workouts on what you should do for your next run to get you ready to hit your goals. It's fun and easy to get on your watch screen. The morning report is brand new and similarly gives you the day's weather, what you've got on your calendar for the day, and a recovery score that's pulled from your heart rate variability so you know how fresh you may feel for that day's run or workout and how you slept the previous night. For my triathletes out there, there's also new triathlon mode so you can bike, swim, and run all during the same activity while logging your transition times. Take a look down at your wrist. You may have had that thing for a while. Treat yourself and upgrade today. Visit Garmin.com. And listeners, I have an update for you. Garmin has launched its summer sale. The Forerunner 255 Music is on sale for $399.99. They're also running sales on previous models of the Forerunner series this summer. So check those out today at Garmin.com. Sidious Mag supporters, we are headed to the U.S. Outdoor Track and Field Championships this weekend, and we'll be there with our full squad. Sidious Mag is teaming up with Adidas Running and Tin Man Elite while we're in Eugene to do some morning runs. On Thursday and Friday at 9 a.m., we'll be running from 1440 East 19th Avenue. On Saturday and Sunday, we'll be running from that same address at 8 a.m., Feel the energy of the summer of Hayward with us. We'll be giving away some special t-shirts, doing some shoe giveaways to everyone who shows up. It's going to be a blast. We cannot wait. Morning runs with Sidious Mag and Adidas, so come on by. It's the best way to start your day, and who knows who might be stopping by. We're going to have some guest appearances. See you in track town. My guest for this episode is Yard de Goose. He just wrapped up his career at the University of Notre Dame, where he was an All-American and two-time NCAA champion in the 1500 meters outdoors and the indoor DMR in 2019. He also held the NCAA record in the 1500 with a 334.68, which stood until it was broken this past spring by Alabama's Elliot Kipsang. Yared qualified for the Tokyo Olympics in the 1500 meters after finishing third at the U.S. Olympic trials last summer. Unfortunately, he had to withdraw from the games in Tokyo due to a quad injury that he sustained while in Japan. So you're probably wondering, what's next? Well, he's here with the news that he has signed with On Running and is joining the On Athletics Club to work under coach Dathan Ritzenhine. In this episode, you'll hear more about the move, how close he was to turning pro last year, why he decided to go back to Notre Dame, what went wrong within the past year, but also why things have turned around and now he's heading in the right direction as we go towards the U.S. championships where he'll be contesting the 1,500 meters. So without further ado, here is Yard Nagus. All right, and now we welcome on Notre Dame star Yard Nagus with a little bit of a special announcement. Yard, do you want to share uh, the big news with all the listeners? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm Yard, and I'll be going professionally next year with um, on Athletics Club, and I'm super excited about it. This is a big decision for you that has probably been months in the making just i mean someone could even argue like a year in the making just considering that you probably had some offers last year after the olympic trials making the olympic team and so uh for you how did you come about this decision to sign with on yeah so it definitely did kind of start a year ago because that was kind of when 
I was approached a little bit about, you know, this is definitely an option and you're in a really good spot, especially after the trials and stuff to really go pro. Um, and at the time I was, you know, pretty excited about it, but I still just felt like I had a lot to do at Notre Dame and, you know, come around to this year, I, you know, went on a lot of visits and just really got a taste of what the pro scene was like. Cause again, I'm, I'm not super very experienced with like the pro runner lifestyle or anything. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if anyone knows really, but especially me. So, you know, just kind of seeing what they're about and just the way they live their daily lives and just really finding a place where I could really fit in. And um, on really had that like really stellar group of guys. I feel like I could blend well with that were also really talented and really like doing something big out there in Boulder. And, you know, especially these last few weeks of seeing how they've been competing. It's just making me really excited to kind of join that group and really achieve that next level in my sport. The OAC guys clearly have a lot of fun. I mean, they're out there every single week with their podcasts and, and their YouTube videos. So can you take us through what was the recruiting trip sort of like when you got the chance to hang out with uh, the OAC squad and the, the coffee club boys? <laughs> the coffee club boys. Yeah, it was um, <laughs> it was definitely really interesting. You know, they were kind of they are just as laid back in person as they are like on their podcast. It is just like very, um, just a very chill group of guys who you just like easily want to talk to no matter what. Um, we didn't like, we didn't do obviously anything super crazy, you know, went around salt boulder a little bit and just kind of got a feel for each other. I know, like, I thought it was funny. Like they have like Tesla's a couple of them. And I was like, that's just seems so random and so weird, but I was just like, you know, <laughs> that's what you guys do out here. I mean, you know, why not? But, um, they're just a very, they were definitely very laid back and kind of like, I feel like I'm mostly laid back too. So I kind of feel like I fit in with that. You brought up how well, you know, the team is running Jordy and Ollie on the world championship team already for their respective countries and Ollie, especially coming off that fast 347 mile in the, in Oslo. So for you, that's gotta be a little bit exciting. What, what's got you most amped about this opportunity now working with Dathan? Yeah. I mean, obviously Dathan has done a lot of things with on in a few years. Um, obviously OEC is very new and I feel like they've been going through a lot of changes, especially from where they were like a few years ago to where they are now. And just seeing the results of that have just been like really exciting and we're really formative in my choice. I know um, just like seeing Ollie go out there and like run a 347 was just absolutely mind blowing to me because it's definitely something I wanted to achieve and seeing someone who I'm eventually going to be training with already achieving these things is just a really like big boost of like, Oh man, like I really want to get out there already and really just start running and, you know, see what they think can do for me. Cause I feel like I'm definitely up there with those guys. And so I really just want to be out there just giving it my best effort. How close did you come to turning pro last year? It, it wasn't really that close. I don't, like I wasn't even, no, it wasn't like too close. It was just more of a, like, I need to decide this, like right now, I'm going to do this or not. Cause you know, I just, if I am, then I don't want to start like taking visits and doing all that other stuff. If not, then like I can just chill out for a year. And it was very like kind of, oh man, like going pro right now would be cool. And like just seeing what these groups are about and finally joining one. But again, it, it was just more like, there's a lot of things I really want to do when I came back here. Um, not to say I did all those things, but it still was very like a really fun year. And I definitely really appreciate my last year at Notre Dame because I feel like Everyone always says this. It's like after four years, you're like, oh, I don't want to leave. And after five, you're like, okay, I'm ready to go. And so I definitely feel like I'm ready to go now. It's just like I did everything that I wanted to do, had all my experiences and free of COVID and all that. And so um, it was definitely a great, a great decision by me. And I'm still pretty pumped about going pro now, though. What did you want to accomplish in this final year? You obviously set the indoor record in the 3K um and then but you know kind of i've always gotten this this vibe from you that you're just a very much team oriented guy the fact that you were you know running cross and after you know compete you know after getting to the olympics and then uh it's just sort of like you've it's been more so always about the team with you mm -hmm, for sure and that's and that was a big part of it like after coming off of second across countries the year before we were all like really amped, like, oh man, we actually have a team here who could like really win if we can actually just get this right. Um, obviously it didn't turn out that way, especially for me, I had a <laughs> terrible race at nationals. Uh, but you know, it's still just like going out there and like really going for that. That's still really important to me. And 
just giving everything I have for my team for as long as I can is just super important to me. And so, and that, and that's kind of like what I really like about on too. They're very like kind of team oriented in a, in a certain sense, as team oriented as a pro group can be, you know, obviously still is like you and yourself, but they're still like really close when they're just like hanging out with each other. And so I really appreciated that. And I think that'll definitely help me on this next stage is still kind of have that team vibe and kind of like really still be like bought into something and in those guys, you know, I think another maybe factor probably was the fact that you didn't compete at the Olympics. So you get, you, you qualified, you got to Tokyo and then due to injury, you, you pulled out, you know, what was it a day or so before um, the race? And so, I mean, how hard was that to, to get over? Because, you know, for as much as like you were probably one of the most likable guys in track and field, but then you also saw your fair share of criticism for that as well. And I'm, I'm curious how you handled that. Yeah, that was really interesting. Um, coming up to the day, like I was, I was in my head. I'm just like, you know what? I might just go out there and do it anyway. Cause I'm just, you know, this is obviously a really big accomplishment something everyone wants to do in their life. And so I, I really just in my head, I was like, I really like feel like I have to do this, but you know, again, I was able to kind of step back and be like, no, you don't have to do this. Like you really can't run right now. <laughs> so there's no point in like trying to force it. And so coming off of that mentally was definitely one of the more challenging things I've done in my running career. Uh, just being like, you know, this, cause I haven't had like a really huge injury uh, in my last four years before that. Um, and just coming off of that was very tough because it kind of made me feel like I wasn't the super invincible person that I previously thought I was, which it's, is, you know, very humbling in a lot of senses and very important for any runner to go through, I feel like, because like you need a little adversity to kind of really make running more appreciative. Um, and so, and coming off of that, it wasn't, and, it, and that's another thing, it, it kind of like lingered and I feel like kind of seeped into indoor a little bit and a tad of outdoor. Um, outdoor was more unrelated though. But so like for indoor or for cross country, even like we weren't obviously going as fast. So nothing really was really that wrong with it then, but come indoor when we were like doing really fast stuff again, I wasn't really quite as strong where my injury was. And so it kind of like a little flared up again at inconvenient times and just really inhibited my training for that year. And so, you know, just seeing that come back was even worse. Cause I'm just like, Oh my God, I'm still dealing with this. Like literally that's just, I thought I was like a seven, eight months ago at that point. I was, or yeah, something like that. And now it's coming back again. Now I just feel like, Oh God, I'm gonna have to do like so much stuff to kind of be on top of it and whatnot. And, but I think that was important too, because now I know that I have to do a lot of stuff to kind of keep these things in check and keep my body in a good space. And so going through all that this whole year was a big thing. It's just like kind of truly getting over my quad injury and just truly making sure that like, I'm ready to run and not get injured again when that happens. And so, um, come this outdoor, I had a little flare up in a different spot. And so that kind of stopped my whole NCAA season early, which was very disappointing because I had big plans in my head. I was so fit. Um, but obviously still to come out and uh, race at Portland like I did was just really reassuring for me to just kind of, that was a big relief race. So I'm just like, I can race. I don't feel hurt. And I'm going to keep doing everything I'm doing to make it stay that way. And so I think now I'm finally kind of over the cusp of it a year later. Um, but, you know, things like that really take their time. And you know, that just makes me a better runner in the end. So, yeah. Here's the thing that the commenters on, you know, Instagram or message boards don't get about just sort of the injury that took place at the Olympics was that it, you're the person who can, I guess, describe it for us. Is just, just how painful was it? The fact that you wanted to get out there, like as much as everyone else wanted to see you out there to even get on that starting line and try to maybe jog a hundred meters and then drop out, at least like you got on the track. Like, why wasn't that possible? Yeah, it was <laughs> just in my head. I'm always just like, there's, it was two like big forces. One being like, you know, runners push through everything. I can push through this. I can just go and give them my best effort. And the other being like, no, don't be an idiot. Like you literally cannot sprint at all. So even if you tried to start, you'd probably get like 10 meters before just being like totally gapped by everyone. Um, and so in my head, I'm just like, it, it didn't really make sense for me to go out and do something that I know I'm going to quit. So for me, it's just like, if I'm going to do something, I want to make sure I do it all the way through. And if I'm quite literally unable to do that, then there's no point. And obviously that really 
breaks my heart more than anyone else's who's complaining about it. It was more just like, I had to deal with the fact that I got all the way here and I can't do anything about it versus someone's like, ah, we lost a team USA member in the 1500. We still did great in it anyway. Um, And so it's just very like, you know, you kind of got to realize putting yourself over just that insatiable urge to race sometimes. Like it's not good for me mentally to go out there and just quit and to kind of go out there with a quitting mindset. And it's just not good for, I guess, feel, I feel like anyone involved for me to just go out there and just kind of like quit immediately. So, yeah. This episode of the Sidious Mag podcast is also presented by Hydro, a state-of-the-art rowing machine designed to transform the way you work out. Named Best Connected Rower in the Men's Health Home Gym Awards, rowing on the Hydro works out 86% of major muscle groups compared to only the 44% from cycling. That's twice the benefit in half the time. It's a perfect low-impact workout to add to your training cycle for both endurance and resistance training. I've actually seen some of the top professional marathoners using Hydro as a way to swap out their easy mile days to work up a little 20-minute sweat row. You can use a 10-minute breath row as a warm-up or cool-down before a big workout, or tackle one of the workouts on the Hydro. I know one of the things with at-home workouts is that you spend a bunch of time trying to figure out what class goes with what, Hydro provides the best full body workout. You don't have to figure out what classes to pair together. It's so much work because you're getting upper body, lower body, and core all in a single workout. Hydro's workouts are filmed live outdoors on waterways around the world from Boston to Seattle to Miami to London. Plus, one membership comes with unlimited profiles for the whole family. So you'll have access to live and on-demand workouts including rowing, Pilates, yoga, strength, conditioning, and more. With Hydro, you're guaranteed to get an incredible workout and experience a full body endorphin high. It's the Hydro High. Learn more at Hydro.com. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com. And for a limited time, you can use code Sidious100 for $100 off the rower, and that's stackable with any of their current offerings. Visit Hydro.com and use Sidious100 back to the show we go you had these big plans for this final outdoor track season and i mean like you said it didn't go according to plan even when these you know little niggles of injuries happened throughout the winter and into the spring there must have been like moments of doubt that crept up where it's like all right like everyone remembers yard from last year. Now, how do I get back to that point? And so how did you navigate sort of those moments in your head? Yeah, it it was definitely really, really tough. Um, For me, a big part of it was just like kind of in love with my friends because they're always going to be like my biggest hype people and my teammates. They're just like, yeah, no, you're still yard. Like we see these crazy workouts you're still doing just because you haven't like gone out and performed those things doesn't mean that's not who I am. And I feel like hearing that from them is like a big factor in like defeating the voice inside your head a lot of the times because definitely had those doubts and definitely had those, oh God, like especially going into Portland last week, I was like, ah, I don't really know. Like, I mean, it's been a long time and I was coming off of this other thing and I didn't raise NCAAs at all. And so it's just like, I don't know. Um, and to come out there and race the way I did was just really like a big confidence boost for me and especially going to USA's now. And so um, I think, yeah, it's just for me, a big part of that is again, my teammates are so important for me for things like that. Just really getting through those moments of doubt and whatnot. You run three thirty four to win Portland uh, track festival. And after that, I mean, has it been a stretch of a couple of weeks now where you're feeling healthy and none of these little issues have like popped up because there's also sort of, you know, you've now gone that fast and you're, I feel like after these injuries, you'd be waiting. It's like, all right, when am I going to start to feel bad? But if you don't, then that's a good sign heading into USA's. No. Yeah. And I, I'm feeling great because a lot of these injuries were very like right after the race kind of thing. So like just coming off the line is being like, I'm good. I'm good. Right. And then I was good. I'm just like, ah, yes, finally. Um, and yeah, these last few weeks have just been smooth sailing so far. And so it's just been a really, a really nice feeling for once. And I hope to keep that up beyond USA's if it gets that far, because that would be phenomenal for me. So, yeah. Was that part of the reason why the emotions were so high when you crossed the finish line at Portland track festival and you had that finish line celebration. Yeah. I, <laughs> so yeah, it was very, 
it was it started with like panic because I've never crossed like a tape before and so like I'm coming down the stretch like feeling on top of the world and I see this tape and I'm just like oh god what am I gonna do like I've never done this before (laughs) and I'm just like thinking that in my mind like these last 10 meters I'm just like oh god I guess to raise my hands up and I think I kind of like in my head I envisioned more just like a woo and then it turns like (laughs) and I was just like okay a little more than I wanted but you know emotions are high I'm racing super well so I guess I'll I'll let that slide for myself. But yeah, I was just really ecstatic with how that race turned out and just everything that happened in a field like that. It just really made me feel like, yes, I am truly back. Didn't really feel like I left, but now I can like really say that and really be proud of it. And so, yeah, just coming off that race, that was a big, you know, relief moment, a big, just take a deep breath and be like, okay, on to the next one, just be happy with where we're at. So the 2019 NCAA titles that you won really put you on the map on the, at the national sort of level. And then from there, really 2020 during the pandemic, just getting back to training and then coming when races resumed in 2021, you came out strong. And so I've always looked at it as sort of like, you've just been building, building, building. And so when you get to this moment in 2022, where you have to hit pause because you have to get healthy again and it's not as smooth sailing heading into the U S championships. How do you sort of compare where you are now versus where you were leading into the Olympic trials last year? Yeah, I definitely think I'm a lot more mature of a runner now. I think that kind of like adversity really, really made me like realize that, well, that and COVID just how fleeting running can be and just how, quickly it can all be taken away. And like, that's why it's so important to just really do all the little things and just make sure that I'm ready no matter what. Um, and so now coming into USA's, I'm more of a, a calm, like, okay, I got this. I can do this versus the Olympic trials. I was just like a more of a childish, just like, Oh man, I can't wait to see what happens and just, you know, go for it. And I think I'm still a little, still a little childish, but in a, in a more mature sense, he's kind of just hanging out in the back and just, you know, smiling. Um, but yeah, I just really feel like I'm more ready for what's to come after the trials. I had a lot more races with pro runners and whatnot. And so just coming in, I'm feeling really ready to just like go out and really put on display just everything I've learned and, you know, represent on the best I can. So it's wide open. That's kind of like the, the best part is last year. I mean, the Olympic trials always is sort of like, it could be anyone's day. And this time around Matthew being out with the knee injury opens up a spot. Cause I mean, he's had it for the past decade or so and Cole Hawker running super well so far this year, but did you know, have a down race. So it's like, everyone goes through their ebbs and flows. How are you sort of assessing the 1500 field this time around? Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a disappointing, like see it without center and um, without angles. I know those were like two big competitors for me in my mind when I think of the 1500, but I'm still not going to underestimate anything. Cause I know if I can come out in the trials and do what I did last year, then like anyone can do that. And so um, there's definitely still a very competitive field in my mind. And it's going to be just very interesting kind of navigating it with these new players. Cause obviously I've raced like Cole or Cooper a little more than I've raced um, some of the other pro runners in the field, but it's just kind of, I think that's kind of what makes racing more interesting, just having people who you might not be as familiar with kind of racing with them and kind of making your own strategies, just like mid race to kind of get around that. And so um, I'm really excited with how it's going to go. I think still being like wide open, I still think it's extremely competitive and it's going to be a whole lot of fun just going out there and seeing what I can do. The Sidious Mag Podcast is also brought to you by Adidas and the all new Adidas Zero Adios Pro 3 running shoe. The Zero Adios Pro 3 is the ultimate half and full marathon racing shoe made for those looking to pursue new records. This super shoe combines some of Adidas' most advanced running shoe technologies all into one of their lightest, most responsive, and most propulsive racers ever. Summer's upon us and I'm already signed up for a fall marathon, so it's time to get going in training. I've run in previous editions of the Adios Pro. And you can't help but take inspiration from the pros at the front of these races, winning while wearing the shoes. Kenya's Paris Jip Cheer Cheer made history wearing the Adios Pro with victories in the Tokyo Olympics, the New York City Marathon, and the Boston Marathon. The first person to ever win all three 
and she did it all within a year. It's no surprise that runners wearing AudioZero Audios Pro products have broken numerous world records, so sign me up in my pursuit of a personal best. The AudioZero Audios Pro 3 combines not one, not two, but three of Adidas' most advanced running innovations, starting with a midsole made from three layers of Lightstrike Pro, which is a super reliant, while still extremely lightweight, EVA foam that provides maximum cushioning and lightness in every step. Embedded within the midsoles are Adidas' revolutionary carbon fiber energy rods, whose design mimics the anatomy of the foot's metatarsal bones to limit energy loss and enhance propulsion. Finally, the Pro 3 is topped off with a super lightweight mesh upper that's not only breathable and supportive, but made entirely out of recycled materials. You gotta love that. Go beyond fast as you know it in the all-new Adidas AudiZero Adios Pro 3. Mark your calendars because the shoe will be available for sale on adidas.com on June 23rd. Back to the show we go. Let's pick into sort of your tactician's brain a little bit because you were able to do it at Oregon Relays last year. You beat Cole Hawker there or, or, or Oregon Twilight, right? It was one of those two. Yeah, Oregon Twilight. And he got you at, at NCAAs and at uh, the Olympic trials. So how do you beat Cole Hawker? Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's an interesting question. Um, I think it really kind of depends on how the race goes. And if I, if I went to go, if I were... In an ideal scenario, I feel like, you know, me and Cole have like a very strong kick. That's like very well-known. And I think to kind of overcome that, it's either make the race super slow or super fast. I feel like it, it can't like really be in between. If it's in between, then like we're both kind of there. But if it if it were like super slow, then like, you know, it gets a little more crowded and things can kind of happen. People slip up. But I also don't really like slow races because I'm also susceptible to slipping up and just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, but I also just do kind of like the just go out and just hammer it kind of vibe, which has just honestly been my favorite way of racing. Uh, but if you do that, then it's like, then the kick you have isn't going to be quite as strong. Obviously, it's still going to be quite a kick of a race. But, you know, at that point, it just really kind of singles out probably just me, him, and like the other top competitors and just to really just go out there and grind it out and kind of just at that point, you're kind of running on empty versus like kind of running with a still a little bit of a kick in him. So um, I'd say one of those two, it kind of just, again, depends on how the race goes and just kind of me keying off him as he's going to probably key off everyone else in the race. So um, it's, it's definitely like something I've thought about because, you know, I think Cole's a really extremely fun person to race against. He's one of the few people I feel like is, managed to like truly outkick me and i'm just like ah that makes me really excited just to just to be beat and be like okay now i just want to go back and you know beat them it's that competitive spirit thing um that i think makes running so much fun so something along those lines but i'm i'm sure he's just gonna if i had to guess i'm pretty sure i wouldn't i don't imagine him like taking out a race or anything so um but you know it'd be interesting if he did and i'd love to see how that went too so yeah What's the point in the race where you know that you're going to be able to rely on your kick to get you the win or get you as close as possible to it? It's kind of like 250, 200 to go. That's like kind of when my positioning should have already been in place like a while ago. And just everything should kind of like come together in my mind where it's just like, okay, do I have something or do I not? Usually I do. And at that point, it's just like, you know, you kind of just like black out as you just go for it and then see how it turns out. And so I feel like 200, that final curve is just really definitive on just how it's going to turn out because at that point, it's just like, you know, who wants it the most. And I feel like a lot of those guys really do want it. So it can be pretty much anyone's race, but you know, I, I usually, I have a strong reliance on my kick to kind of take me where I need to go whenever, whenever need be. So it's, yeah, I feel like that's that's kind of the moment. It's it's kind of weird to define because like you know, there's also several points in the race where it's like, oh, 600 meters out, I probably don't want to be like in the very back, or like, you know, when can I chill in the race versus when can I not? But yeah, when you ran the NCAA record in the 1500 at the ACC Championships, it was funny because like people just kind of saw that result pop up on you know as a notification on Twitter or Instagram or something like that, and not as many people probably like saw the race. So what is it that you liked 
about that opportunity to go out and do it there versus attempting it at, you know, regionals or, or even just seeing if the NCAA championships would have gone fast enough to do it. You just said, all right, I'm going to take this into my own hands at ACCs and, and do it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's, so at that point I was really like, okay, I want to give everything I can for nationals and I don't want to really focus on a time. And the earliest point I can do that now that Oregon twilight was over was at ACCs because I came off Oregon twilight. That was our original attempt to do that. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, you know, I really want to, but I don't have a lot of opportunities. And my coach was like, Oh, just do it at the ACC prelim. And I was like, you're right. It's just me, no one to bother me. Like, cause no one, I was going to just really take out an ACC prelim. And, um, it was perfect conditions that day. And it was just like, yeah, why not go for it? And it was very, I really liked that. How it was low with stakes. Like I don't really like being like center of attention, kind of just like, Oh, yard is going to go out and attempt to break the 15. Yeah. It's just, this is kind of very pompous to me and not, not really my style. I'm kind of just more of a nonchalant, like, Oh, cool. I did that. And so coming to that race, it was also just like, if I wasn't feeling it, I could just stop. Like no one was going to be like, ah, oh, man, he, it like halfway through because you know i had that option and um again no one really cares like if i had run like 337 or something i would have been like okay it doesn't matter versus like you know three seconds faster than all of a sudden it's a huge deal um and so yeah a big part of that was just low stakes um early timing before ncaa's and it was kind of funny because even at nationals we ran like 335 low or bid or something like that so we were definitely like in the ballpark of doing it again but um we probably could have if we just really thought about it, but I still think it's it was is definitely like more chill and a better scenario for me. Just kind of just be out there, no one to disturb me or rabbits to mess things up. Sometimes it's just me, myself, and I just kind of playing that mind game that I love so much. Elliot Kipsang ends up breaking your record, and then this time around at NCAAs doesn't go well for him. You didn't win the outdoor title after breaking the record and everyone's kind of joked around is there a curse to holding the 1500 NCA record you know someone did actually mention that to me after the 1500 um after I ran the record and I was just like no nah, I'll be fine <laughs> and I just proceeded to get second um so I I don't I don't like believing in curses or fate or anything like that but I mean, I'd say there is definitely strong evidence as of now <laughs> to that. Um, and so, you know, I mean, <laughs> we need someone to gone, break the curse then. <laughs> I was say, if I had to go back and pick between like NCAAs and the record, I would have picked NCAAs, but oh well, you know what happened. So I'd say maybe a, a little bit of a curse. I wouldn't call it a curse. I'd call it something more fun, like uh, just a bad trend. Uh, <laughs> a bad trend. Yeah. <laughs> If that happens like a couple more times, I'll call it a curse there. <laughs> this year's NCAA final ended up being won by Joe Wascom has run, I think 339. And it was like in the last like couple of weeks. And it was, so it was, it was a tactical slow race. Did, did you watch it and sort of think like, man, like this would have been right up my alley. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I was there and I was um, just kind of watching that play out. And it, it was just a very interesting race. Cause like, the thing is, like, if I was in that race, I definitely would not have taken it out that slow because it's just for me, I feel like, again, I don't like the super tactical kind of races because, you know, things like that can happen. And so I feel like coming in, Mario was definitely the favorite and definitely could have if like the race went out a little bit faster than that. Um, but that if the tactical races do. They kind of just open it up to anyone who has just a really good kick. And in some ways, that is more fun just for everyone else involved. But obviously for the leader, not quite as fun coming into that. Um, but it was definitely really interesting because I was watching it and I was just like, oh, man, like even if that was like that or just like I probably would have made it like a few seconds faster. Um, it, I know it just would have been just it was such an ideal race. And I feel like it was definitely um, very open, you know, Kip saying not being in it and whatnot. And just uh, a lot of opened the door for a lot of guys. And so I'm really happy for um, um, the guy who won. Yeah. Yeah. So Kyle called Mario the best tactician in the NCAA since Matt Centrowitz. And so someone like you who like has the credentials as well to be able to be the guy who shapes the way a race plays out 
And having gone up against someone like Century Wits last year at the Olympic trials, how do you sort of see your own sort of role in being able to command a race? And like, there, there's confidence that you need to have to be able to be the guy to make sort of those moves. And, you know, having qualified for the Olympics, finishing top three at last year's Olympic trials, like, is that something that like you've consciously thought about that? people look to me sometimes as the guy to make the moves or are you still sort of sitting pretty waiting for someone else to do it? I think um, there are times where I'm definitely viewed like that. Um, I think especially just like in my collegiate career, like kind of after my sophomore year, after winning those championships, it was, I think I kind of had a little bit of that where just like kind of people look to me to kind of just like, what am I going to do and how am I going to do it? Um, Definitely wouldn't call myself a master tech tactician because i think i'm very i'm not really like i want to get to this point but i'm not quite assertive enough to just kind of be up there and making moves and whatnot and i feel like when i kind of try i kind of just get like swallowed a little bit and i gotta readjust and kind of go out um so i'm I'm more of a more of the sit pretty type but i think eventually once i kind of grow into it a little bit i think i'll be able to command races with a little more confidence and just a little more um, assertiveness and just kind of, you know, hold my ground up there and just make sure like, you know, like with watching Mario indoor, I was like, Oh man, like, I don't know how he's keeping all those guys off or maybe they just like, don't want to like really cross him. But that was just such an interesting race. Cause like everyone was just right there. And I was like, I would hate that so much, <laughs> but, <laughs> but if, hey, if that's, that's what they want, then, you know, they can go for it. Uh, but yeah, no, it's definitely just, Maybe one day I'll get to the tactician level, but not quite yet. What is next for Notre Dame right now? You're leaving. I mean, and Coach Carlson just took the job at Tennessee. And I mean, you guys just had a pretty solid showing at the NCAA championships. But um, like what sort of this next page or chapter sort of look like for, for ND? Yeah, it's definitely going to be um, a lot different without Carlson around. Obviously, he played a very pivotal role in kind of making the program what it was from when I joined, which was basically absolutely nothing, to like just the distance behemoth that it is now. Um, But I still think just like the kind of thing that he taught our team and the kind of ideals that he instilled in us will kind of still prevail in these next few years because you can't really just like, it takes a long time to build a culture like that. It takes a long time for it to fall apart in my mind, or at least, at least the same amount of time. Um, and so I think as long as all the guys just stay really bought in then they can still have like a really, a lot of success. Cause you know, me, I was useless in cross country last spring and we still got like ninth or something. Um, and so it's just, it's just kind of like taking in what we have. And like, we have a lot of freshmen coming in and just really, instilling Carlson's ideals into them and until we get a new coach to just really um just kind of keep doing what we've been doing because obviously it's been working and you know I'm really excited to watch because I'll be very closely watching now because obviously I have a lot of <laughs> a lot of favor on this team um and so you know I think they still got a lot of big things coming for them uh you know without Carlson but yeah so he's headed to Tennessee and then you're making the move out to Boulder between now and the next couple of weeks. Like you're still sort of, you know, stay put at ND through USA's and p- possibly uh, worlds, because I mean, this is, it's wor- whatever you're doing is working for now. And then Dathan will take over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be um, after my last race, either hopefully worlds, uh, then I will start making that transition to kind of having Dathan coach me and just really, getting up to altitude and doing all that good stuff and just really seeing what OAC can do for me. So, yeah. This episode is also presented by Hayward Magic. It's no secret we love track and field at Sidious Mag, and it's the summer of Hayward. We're looking forward to celebrating all things track and field with you this summer. From June 23rd to 26th, we'll be in town for the U.S. Championships where the rest of Team USA will be named. And then from July 15th to July 24th, we'll have Sidious Mag House up and running for the World Championships Oregon 22. We'll be doing daily runs. We're going to be hosting live shows every day. We'll be doing our daily podcast. It's the first time the World Championships are coming to America. So we're going all out and celebrating the best sport in the world. We want you to be there with us. And it's not too late to get your hands on tickets or flights. We've made a landing page on our website with all the dates and ticketing information to make it easy for you. So visit SidiousMag.com slash Summer of Hayward. 
If you're determined to make it there, Hayward Magic on Instagram wants to hear about it. Whether you're a high school athlete, a college runner, or a professional runner, or if you're just a fan who bought tickets, share how you're preparing for the best summer of track and field by using hashtag MakeItAHayward in your caption or post. Hayward Magic will select and feature the best posts for their feed, and who knows, some of the best submissions may be compiled into a reel or story highlight and live on Hayward Magic's page forever. It's the Instagram home for the true track and field fans, the diehards, the dreamers, and the fans. They aim to share the magic of the sport and elevate the athletes that push it forward. So follow at Hayward Magic on Instagram today. I just spent the weekend at New Balance Nationals surrounded by a bunch of high school stars and they're running crazy fast right now with five guys breaking four minutes for the mile. And it's interesting to me because I was thinking more about it, like kind of, you know, realizing I was like, oh, we're, we're chatting today. And then I was like, wait, what, like, how good was Yared in high school? And it was like, what, 406, 154 for, for the 800? Was it, were those are your PRs coming out of it? Um, yeah, yeah, they were, I don't know. I, I don't know where four or six would have put you in yesterday's like new balance nationals mile, but how did you sort of really take things to this next level where you got to the point of being an NCAA champion and, and qualified for, for the Olympics that, you know, there's probably a high school kid out there who is maybe looking at his PRs on paper. And obviously it's crazy to see, you know, that many kids under four, but then it's like, well, I want to kind of follow in sort of these footsteps. So how did you sort of go about laying out that that map? Yeah, I think a big part of it was just not being too stressed about it. Because so coming in, I was like, like you said, even the 406 was very late, like senior year. I was recruited on like 412 or something. And in my mind, I was just like, like, especially I see all these, all these other incoming freshmen. I was just like, well, I'm not as good as them at all. <laughs> Which obviously isn't a great mindset to have coming into it. But I think a big part of me was just like, well, you know, it's, I guess, not really comparing yourself too much, even though, like I said, I just did. But kind of making sure that, you know, you believe that you have that, like, higher steps to go to. So, for me, like, I think a big part of why I ran what I ran was because, you know, K- Kentucky wasn't the super most competitive thing like five years ago. Um, and so, you know, being in that kind of atmosphere, there's no real incentive to go run like four or under four minutes versus like four or six. And it's not like my training was very intense. I think I really appreciate my high school coach for that kind of making running more enjoyable and just more of a fun kind of like stress outlet versus like a thing that should cause me stress and like, being like, Oh, I got to run this time or whatever. And I think that was very important. So very grateful to him for that. And so coming in, it was a big part of just really going to that next level and just kind of believing that I had that in me. And so again, I had a great coach who was really encouraging of me um, coming in and he knew that I just had like a really high ceiling. I don't know how he knew, but you know, and it's just kind of, I don't really know. It was so long ago, but it's just that, that's core belief that just like, yes, I can be as good as anyone else. Cause high school PRs as important as they are in high school don't matter in college. And it's just about, you know, going out there being the best now when, it, when I feel like it really matters the most, um, not to diss on any high schoolers, what you're doing is absolutely amazing. And mad respect that you can go out and do that these days because again i thought 406 i was like i am like top top dog here on 406 it's crazy um but yeah as a fellow kentucky high school star i mean what have you made of seeing kate flat you know going after the 800 no that's been really interesting i was gonna say it it kind of feels like every like four or five years like someone from kentucky just emerges and like so it was josh thompson before me um and now it's uh kate flat i'm just like oh man that's kind of kind of crazy he's actually like running fast that's what a concept um <laughs> and you know it'll be really interesting to see what he does um in his college career and just kind of going out for it because i just feel like you know like like i said not a whole lot of guys come out from kentucky but when we do i think i think it's huge so i'm really excited to see where he goes with that that was the thing that 
Kyle, me and, and Mac Fleet were talking about just sort of uh, all weekend when we were just everyone's going crazy. Kate Flat runs three to five miles a week, but it's sort of like you just mentioned it's like that sort of under training of sorts is is a good thing in a sense that like it's not a red flag when they get to college and they've already been running 70 to 90 miles a week. And that's sort of like a coach at that point would be like, I am, I might be getting damaged goods or anything like that. And so when you hear that kind of stuff. It's sort of like, that's the kind of freshman you want as a senior coming into, you know, leading a team right now, like, Oh, that, that, that kid will be a good addition because he's sort of fresh and still learning how to train. No. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, I was the same way. I was not really looking at mileage, but it was more like probably 30 ish around there and just maybe even less. Cause we kind of slacked a lot, <laughs> but um, yeah, I just think like runners like that really have, a real advantage just being able to be good at that level because then that shows like when you get up to like 70 or 80s so like when i'm at now it's just you unlock like a whole nother step to that um and i think like also i feel like running like 70 miles in high school really takes the fun out of it or at least it would have for me i would have been like oh my god i have to run like 10 miles every day and blah blah, blah. it would i i couldn't take it i probably would have quit if that was the case in my high school um so, yeah, I just think like you really want someone who has a high ceiling in that case. So someone who really hasn't been like training super hard yet. So that when as you grow up, because, you know, you're still growing in college, um, you can really kind of grow into like a really uh, excellent runner. So, yeah, you get to call yourself now a pro runner. When did you want that to be? your job because i mean uh, remind me again like what was your major at notre dame because you i mean it's a great degree to come out of and you could get a job somewhere <laughs> yeah it was it was in biochemistry and um yeah originally i was going to go to dental school and become an orthodontist and so that was like my my big thing for since i was 13 i was like okay i'm doing this and that's what i'm doing because i want to do it and the more i kind of looked into it the more i really wanted to do it and it didn't really come about like for running until like kind of junior year um yeah during covid i feel like i had a lot of time to kind of think about it like that and i was just like i don't know like at first i was like hmm, i kind of have scripted my whole life to be dental school but <laughs> you know i i might give this thing a shot and obviously come senior year i was still doing very well so i was like ah okay sure i guess um and that's kind of when it solidified for me, I'd say like beginning of senior year. Cause that's, cause I already sent in like my dental applications and stuff. And um, I even like got into a couple of schools and I was just like, ah, sorry, <laughs> my bad. I'll come back in like a few years when I'm done. But I think that's, what's also going to make running fun for me. Like I will not be running when I'm like in my thirties. It's just, I, I got to get to that next step. And no matter how much fun I think I'm going to have running, I just, don't think it'll really be worth it for me when I'm like, I don't know, 30. <laughs> I think I, I, like that's, I mean, don't, don't quote me on this, but 30 <laughs> just feels like a, uh, God, I need to <laughs> move on with the next thing. Cause I don't want to do running and coaching or whatever forever. I need to go to dental school still. And I don't want to be like the 50 year old guy in dental school. So, um, yeah, that, that's always been my, my thing. That's funny. So can you put it into perspective to us about just like, how much school is now going to be, you know, kind of coming off of your schedule. You're going to have these hours that get freed up in, in your day as a pro runner and people try and find different ways to fill the time, or you could pull a Grant Fisher and enroll in just another master's program or something like that. Is that sort of like something that you're excited about is like, okay, people don't understand like being a student athlete does, you know, there's that heavy part that you have to balance with your training. Mm -hmm. It is. I'm also like excited for this first year to kind of just like chill and not do school and just like adjust. <laughs> and then like, I think after I'll get like really bored and kind of just start just taking some like the off classes or whatnot. Um, nothing crazy just to kind of like keep up. Like when I apply again, I'll be like, I wasn't doing nothing for like six or whatever years. I was doing some classes. Um, don't know if I'll go for another degree or anything. Well, definitely just like dabble in some science classes. Cause I didn't, I just have a ton of fun in science and just, um, all that stuff. And so I think that'll definitely be almost required for me if I really want to go to dental school and just, uh, really helpful and kind of just keeping up my, 
I just feel like school and running have just been so intertwined with me for so long. It's going to be really weird at first to just kind of be like, okay, I'm just running and that's it. <laughs> um, but I think it'll be a fun, a fun new adjustment to kind of see how that goes. And eventually, like I said, I'll, I'll get back to school and, um, you know, just see how it goes a little bit. So, yeah. Are you going to miss South Bend? Like with, I mean, the Loftus and, and all that. I'm going to miss the people here. <laughs> I will miss Notre Dame. I will not miss South Bend. <laughs> I think it, it has its charm like sometimes, but just the places I've seen just have really made me be like, wow, I don't want to live in the Midwest. I just need to go either like East or West and just not look back because it's, it, it's just not for me. I can't, I don't know. I just can't deal with, weather and just this town not to really i really don't want to like really crap on it it's it's a great <laughs> it's <laughs> for recruits notre dame is amazing south bend it's it's not you know sunshine and rainbows that's just how it is you can't sugarcoat that in any way it gets cold and then it gets really hot and then that's just this is the way it is so what about but, boulder um, boulder's been having that like all year there's like some days where it's 70 degrees and then like two days later it's like you'll get snow on the ground <laughs> well then i'll be ready for it <laughs> but i think it'll it'll be a little better like you know in the mountains you don't have like humidity i feel like so that'll be a a big saving grace in the summer but i've always been a big summer guy and so like coming to a place that has this like winter that lasts until like april it's just so sad and it just makes me like wow i really wish this was not the case but um it, it definitely builds tough runners i will say that for people who want to go to Notre Dame looking at this. So yes. <laughs> All right. Final questions that I ask every guest. The first one is what's the funniest drug testing story that you've got? <laughs> every drug testing story is a funny one for me, Jesus, but it's probably going to be my first one. So after USA's U twenties, um, this was my freshman year in Bloomington and I, I won somehow. <laughs> I don't know why I, that race is just so foggy to me, but it was super hot. And I was just like, Oh my God, I'm not really feeling this. I got to win anyway. And I, I qualified for Finland. Um, but no one tells me afterwards, like, Oh, okay. We need you for drug testing. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> and they're like, Oh, like it's kind of like the ones, cause we had drug testing at Notre Dame. Uh, but it's more just like, they'll tell you the day before and you know, you go the morning up and this was just like, yeah, you're in drug testing. I'm just like, Wow that's kind of sudden. And also I'm like high on adrenaline right now. I don't know what you're expecting of me. And so there's like, yeah, you just need to pee. And I, I go in and I'm just sitting there like, okay, I'll just drink some water and I'll go pee. No big deal. Um, it takes me like four hours. <laughs> I'm literally just sitting there like all the rest of the day and like into the evening, just sitting there. Like I cannot pee for the life of me. This was so surprising to me. And I'm just absolutely flabbergasted that you think I could pee right now. And for some reason, my body just locked up until like, like four hours later and my coach was so mad he's like i had to sit there in this boiling heat for four hours waiting for you to be done this random drug test and i was like sorry like i, I didn't know it was coming either and and it was just like i don't know why they do that i would so much rather do like a blood test or something and i know it's probably even worse because you know my blood's pumping like out of my arm but i'm just so much better with blood and just like whatever but i've never had a blood drug test Maybe one of these days they'll do that instead of peeing. But every time since then, it still takes me like so long. Like if I don't get like any advance and they're, especially after a race, it's like mi- going to be minimum, like one hour and a half. Cause I just, I just can't, I don't know how anyone who run a distance race can like, it's just, even when you're hydrated, you know, you just. Know, Wait, so how flight. was that at the trials last year? Cause the, you guys were last day, one of the, the final events. And then, uh, you have to get drug tested after that. And so you make the Olympic team and then your family probably wants to celebrate. What time did you make it out of Hayward? Yeah, that was, see, that was, I, that night was really interesting because obviously it was going to be in the afternoon. They moved it to the night. And I think a big part of that was, I was like really well hydrated that one. Cause you know, it was like 115 degrees that day. And so I'm just like chugging down water and Gatorade and whatnot. Um, and so it still takes like, it was like an hour and a half after my race, but that was after like kind of the victory lap and just like kind of seeing my parents and all that stuff. Um, 
a little bit of like stretching and cool down and whatnot. And, but I was more just like, Oh, wow. I can't wait to like see my friends and celebrate. And then they're like, Oh, there's processing. So I got out of drug testing. I feel like around, I don't remember exactly. I want to say like 1130, maybe midnight. I don't, I don't remember when the race was, it was late, but um, and then I was at processing for like three hours <laughs> until I get out at 3am. Just like, Great. <laughs> Glad that my night's basically over now. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was an interesting story in itself, but uh, that's funny. Streamline that process somehow. <laughs> right. Cause it's like, they give you all the equipment and like size you up photos. Yeah. That's the part that like, it's not as glamorous. So you kind of look forward to like, Oh, my event is on day one or two. Great. This will, this will be easy, but now that, that does suck. All right. Next question is, uh, you can go on a run anywhere in the world with anyone from history, assuming they could hold a nice conversational pace with you. Where would this run take place and who would it be with? Oof. Yeah, I've definitely been asked a similar question. I know where it definitely be, um, not South in Italy. I love <laughs> Italy. And, uh, specifically there's this Island off the coast of Naples called Capri. And it is just the most beautiful place in my mind and it's kind of like hilly a little bit but i just think it'd be so much fun to have a run there um so definitely there that's the place because it's just beautiful all the time for who This isn't like runners, right? You can just be like no, anyone. Yeah, preferably yeah. not runners. I mean, I think it, the boring answer is usually Steve Prefontaine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I didn't even know him until I went to Oregon the first time. And that's got plenty of crap for that. Um, I'm going to say. <laughs> hmm. I think it'd be weird, but probably like some really old science person. Like I'm going to go with new it on this one. Cause I've always just like been interested with people who just like literally created concepts that we still use to this day that are super annoying. But <laughs> I just like, what well, goes through your mind? Like when you're making this and like, do you realize like you're about to make history here with this? And I also just thought he was just a funny character in general, just his history of just, what like did he send his middle finger to the church or something i'm pretty sure that was him um so he's just a total riot uh so i think yeah it'd, it'd be new and as, as nerdy of an answer as that is but no yeah. that's a good one all right final question has nothing to do with running you get 25 shots from half court on a full-size basketball court if you make one shot you win 25 million dollars if you don't make any you go to jail for 25 years would you attempt the shots no <laughs> <laughs> I am extremely lucky, but, and this is, I like, honestly, if I was doing it just like randomly for fun, I probably could do it, but I'm not that good at basketball. And even if you are, you just also need an insatiable amount of luck. And so I think I, I don't need $25 million that much at the risk of 25 years of my life. So no, absolutely not. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I don't think my luck would come out with me on that one. So yeah. Smart answer. Oh, uh, before I let you go, I guess your pet turtle, um, making the move to what, what is it? His name's Tyro. Yeah. What, uh, is it, is the turtle coming out to Eugene or does it stay at Notre Dame and then like eventually making the move to Boulder, right? Yeah, it's been, in, he's having a tumultuous time with all this moving. So I, <laughs> I decided to take him back to my house and my parents are taking care of him until I decide to finally move out to Boulder because, He's, you know, he's a, he's a tortoise. He's not <laughs> a fan of being put in cars and moved around, especially I couldn't bring like on a plane or anything. Um, so he doesn't really come on trips with me, but I would very much so like him to come to Boulder with me. So um, I have to build him a new, a new area though. Cause I'm trying to make it small. Cause my, my last one was just like this giant like table that was like three feet by five feet. Um, and so now I'm trying to make like a, double decker kind of thing and so it can be a little bit smaller and he has like he loves to climb so he has space to like climb or something um it's gonna take a lot of ingenuity and engineering on my work but i think it'll be it'll be a really a fun little challenge for my first few weeks in boulder just figuring that out uh but yeah no he's great another nerdy thing he's named after tyrosine my favorite amino acid so 
Wow. <laughs> um, the pets of OAC are like Leah Fallon's got, you know, dogs and uh, Gus, the Ollie's Gus. dog. So, I mean, this is, there might be an Instagram account there where it's just like all of all of the OAC pets. <laughs> All the pets. Yeah. I'm, I'm super excited to live with the guys and live with Gus. I just love dogs also. And eventually I'll get one probably now when I'm running pro, but I think eventually I'll be a dog person as well. So someday Tyra will have a friend, but yeah. <laughs> all right, Yard. Well, congrats on the signing and wishing you all the best of luck uh, at the U S championships. And um, we'll see you in Eugene. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was great talking with you, Chris. The City of Smack Podcast is a production of the City of Smack Podcast Network. It is produced and edited by Mike Zerzolo. Did you enjoy this episode enough to dish out a couple bucks? Support City of Smack by pledging any dollar amount over on patreon.com slash Mag to join our loyal legion of backers who keep this show going strong. If you're on your phone right now, you can also open up the Venmo app and hit us with a one-time donation to at City We've also got merch over on CityofSmag.com. Any way you can show your support goes a long way. Thanks for listening. I've been your host, Chris Chavez, wishing you some happy and healthy running. Legs are feeling good. See you next time.